You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by Chloe Fisher and myself, Elodie Pullen. Join us as we blindly navigate and unpack the raw and often unspoken experiences of womanhood, grief, friendship, and everything in between. Encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful, we've made a promise to ourselves to find our shine and build a life of triumph and joy. Darling Shine is your survival kit to the unexpected shit life throws at you. Six of Darling Shine. Oh my god, that means we're halfway through this season. What the hell? Um, and it's taken us halfway through this season for Brit and I to realize that we need to tell Elodie we need to give us ourselves at <laughs> least thirty to forty-five minute buffer when we're going to be doing recordings because mm. she definitely comes right on the dot, and that doesn't mean we we got to we got to hit record at on the dot when we want to record. Mm. Whereas I we need, come we, late. We, we needed it half an hour be late. At least half an hour earlier. So now, when we need her at nine, we're going to say we need her at eight, and then we'll probably see her at like nine. five to nine. So five I've learned nine. that. She's also just done a quick drop and run with Minnie. <laughs> poor David. Her brother. My poor brother. I've just like literally <laughs> ran over, well, drove over and just dumped Minnie on his doorstep basically and she was just screaming and he's like so um what what do I do this is basically his first time looking after her I'm just like there's a bottle there's some nappies there's some wipes you've got this has he ever checked before yeah yeah just. he has yeah but he did just text me and she goes she's already soiled herself I'm like sick I don't care she does that five times a day so change it oh so change a little nappy I think he does a bit of a boy job like oh, he's no. well I don't know he's just like so front to back wiping and I'm like yes Yes. front to back not back to front and then the nappy comes on and then you lift out the little inside bits of the nappy so she doesn't shit down her legs that that movement when you do that just um yeah I mean look I don't muck around just get the nappy off wipe her ass put the new nappy on no No muck around mini no muck around mini um but yeah look, look it definitely look just getting from like just the front door to the car is like takes like seven hours at the moment. <laughs> yeah. We'll get better at that. Yeah. I can't imagine. No, I don't think we will because she'll become a toddler and I'll be like, now we have to get food and like now her. her walking will be like all slow and stuff. <laughs> I just have to pick her up. Um, oh, well, anyway, today's episode, we spoke to Jess from our acupuncture clinic, which we are obsessed with. We spoke about all things women's health, fertility, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture. Mm. Very, very excited for you guys to hear this episode. We learned so much about more stuff that we even, like we thought we knew everything, but we obviously don't. Oh, no. We know nothing. nothing, mate. Don't be silly. Yeah, this was such an insightful chat. Jess is a legend. She actually owns the acupuncture clinic that both Chloe and I go to here on the Gold Coast. After graduating in 2011, Jess took her practice overseas to Central America, Asia, the Middle East and Europe. And then she established her own clinic in England, which she worked in for three years, treating a variety of conditions using Chinese medicine, acupuncture, herbs, and massage. Busiest boy on the block, hey. Busy, busy boy. Have you had one of her massages? They're off the chain. Well, I've only ever had the massage and acupuncture, but I need to get just a full blown massage. She's insane. They're they're hard to get into, girls, but I'd say, yeah, newer on the Gold Coast. So... During her career, Jess has always had a passion and interest in fertility, acupuncture, IVF, acupuncture, and women's health. She's developed her skills and understanding in these areas by taking on post-grad education as well as attending numerous workshops to further expand her knowledge. So we are super lucky to speak to this absolute wizard. She moved back to Australia in 2015 and opened up NUA, which is the clinic that we go to and is currently completing her master's in reproductive medicine and Chinese herbal medicine while also running the clinic. So yeah, busy boy, as you said. She's so smart. Love Jess. We can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. She's a lord. All right. 
Let's go. All right. So welcome, Jess, to the podcast. Um, we're so excited to have you on here, finally. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, today we're going to talk about all things women's health and fertility in sort of through the lens of Chinese medicine. And uh, we speak about this a lot on our podcast and we thought that there would be no better person to get on here than both of, I actually don't see Jess, but um, Elodie's been seeing Jess for a few years, a year She's or two. She's epic. Yeah, I've been seeing her. Like, you know, when Chump was alive and we were trying for a baby, I came to you, Jess, and so you were helping me try to conceive and doing all those things, which we're, we're going to get into in this podcast. But it's like since Chump's been gone, I've just come to acupuncture and it's just it's not even for health anymore. It's just like a therapy session because we have such good chats and stuff and Bonnie yeah. as well. I'm so the I same. Like, yeah. <laughs> Bonnie's like, relax Bonnie Bonnie um works out of the same studio and I feel like I just go there for a chat now Bonnie's been like by my side since the very beginning of my journey like nose at back the front yeah I feel like I don't need a doctor anymore you guys are just like my health (laughs) all my health shit in one place Uh, um so this sort of like this whole sort of topic sort of evolved evolved from myself thinking a few weeks ago like all right, I want to sort of put together a bit of a workshop. Um, You know, when I first started trying to conceive two years ago, I knew zero about fertility. I knew zero about our reproductive system. I knew, I honestly knew nothing. I just thought that like it was just a thing that happened and then like you fell pregnant and Bob was your uncle basically. And then I guess I kind of a few weeks ago was talking to the girls who run my local yoga studio um, and I was like, can we do a workshop? I'd really love to like, curate something uh, that I wish I had when I first started and just like learning about the ins and outs of your cycle and everything to do with acupuncture and fertility and and Chinese medicine when it comes to trying to to conceive. And so Jess got brought on board and we kind of, we had that about what, two weeks ago. And honestly, it was so beautiful. And I'm all about like women's circles as well, like finding women in the area that are going through the same thing because it's very it's something that people do not talk about we speak about this a lot on our podcast it's a very unspoken thing some people don't feel comfortable talking about it at all and women that came to this workshop we're all on different walks of life some women are just thinking about with just thinking about um having a baby i obviously am going through ivf still there was women like that weren't even wanting to have a baby people that were actually coming to learn what not to do to fall pregnant so they were basically just doing everything opposite to what Jess was teaching Um, but it was and it was just like emotional we did we started the workshop what is that what is that flow thing that we did because I actually don't know how to pronounce it oh the qigong yeah Yeah, so Ashley led that one which was I think very different for most people there I think everyone had done yoga but only like two, yeah. one or two people had done Qigong. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Cause like I was, I think I was only like a week out of, no, I had had my wrist surgery only a few days yeah. before. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do anything, but I was actually able to do this. And my mom even came to the workshop cause she was up here with us and dead said, I'm not even kidding. By the end of that movement session, she, I like looked up, I'm like, she was on the other side of the room to me. I'm like, are you okay? And she was 
bawling her eyes out, yeah. like li- literally bawling her eyes out. She was just, I was like, what is up? Like in the end, she's like, I'm just like so emotional. There's all these women in this room that are trying to conceive or that are struggling to conceive. And I just feel, I, she has like a lot of empathy, mum, and was just, she was feeling all the feels. She's like, honestly, I could wow. not stop crying. Tears were just running down yeah. my face. It was really, really beautiful. So that's where this has kind of come from. And like, I'm so excited to have Jess on here. And yeah, we're going to talk about all things Chinese medicine and fertility and acupuncture. And we're so excited. It's good. Yay. I'm glad you enjoyed the workshop. It was a good um, kick up the bum for me to put together something in a very short period of time. But um, I needed it. So it was good. Thank you. <laughs> That's so cool. I've, I missed out. I wish I was there. I um, wanted to start by talking about Chinese medicine as a whole. I'm just super fascinated in Chinese medicine and like the herbs and the tinctures. But where does acupuncture fit into Chinese medicine like in as a whole? So when we look at Chinese medicine, it is an all-encompassing health system. So the Chinese medicine, I guess the whole part of it is you've got um, not just acupuncture is obviously very well known in it, um, but you don't just have acupuncture. That's kind of like your body work. There's also twainer, which is like the massage um, and other forms of acupuncture, maybe like Korean acupuncture or Japanese. They also have forms of massage too. So there's the body work components. And then you've got things like diet, lifestyle, herbal therapy, and then movement therapy. So you experience Qigong, um, even in Ayurvedic medicine. So you've got yoga and they have the same sort of system. So it's this Eastern systems um, or medical systems are kind of all encompassing. They don't just look at one facet in an area. It's everything. Um, And that's, you know, acupuncture is one of the, you know, practical modalities of it. Um, Yeah. So that's how I guess it fits in. But the way that we treat here and a lot of acupuncturists treat is, Yes, there's acupuncture, but there's also lifestyle, diet, herbs, um, and then, yeah, movement therapy, breathing, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's just one part of it. Oh, it's so fascinating. Seriously, I, I feel like every time I get acupuncture at this, at the moment, I'm getting it literally once a week. Oh, actually, I've been getting it almost twice a week with Bonnie. And every time she does something to me, I question it. Like I honestly, I'm like, okay, so what is that point? What are you doing here? You're feeling my pulse. What are you actually feeling? Which, which is, I drill it every single time. And I learned so much. I'm like, I honestly, I'm obsessed with the whole, like everything involved in acupuncture. It's so interesting to me. And I'm just getting used to taking Chinese herbs when I was in the States, the acupuncturist, when I was doing my round of IVF, that was giving me all these like different herbs pellets basically and uh, you have to take so many Chinese herbs at once like there's like six yeah. three times a day and it it fixed everything that I need like I had a cyst and I, I took these tablet these Chinese herbal tablets for a few days and then I the cyst went away and it was it's crazy how it works but I I, I yeah it's so fascinating and so with the acupuncture I know that a lot of women have written into us going, I am so scared of needles. I'm petrified to get acupuncture. Does it hurt? And obviously at the very beginning, you're scared. You're a little bit scared. I've, I've, I've just been poked and prodded for the last two years. So (laughs) needles, I'm like, doesn't do not flinch. But for women who haven't had acupuncture, can you explain how it works and how far the needles go in and what, what you're actually doing when you're, when you're treating someone? Yeah. So explaining how acupuncture works is a huge topic, but I think for most women, they just, they do want to know like, you know, pain 
and all that kind of, I guess, part of it. Um, the acupuncture needles are really thin um, and small. I do say to women, if you've had a wax before, which is most women, you'll be fine. Um, it's definitely not going to be like that. No. And you two have probably both experienced as you get used to them, you know, when one goes in, maybe it's a small pinch, like as if you're plucking out a hair and then, you know, it, it subsides or, um, you know, sometimes like if there's movement or like a very active point, you can have a little bit of tension or a dull aching sensation. The dull aching sensation is actually a good thing in Chinese medicine because we say that's where like the chi is really being brought to the point. You know, it's really stimulating that point. Um, and you've also had things like when, you know, sometimes an acupuncturist or even in massage, they'll come around and prod you and you feel a point that's like really sore. There's no needle in it, but it's very active. Um, and this is sort of the thing too. But once you are, once you have it a little bit, you get a lot more used to it, as you girls would know. If anyone's really petrified, I do have a lot of patients who are needle phobic and they still come, they enjoy it. Having needles on the front of the body is a little bit more challenging. You feel a bit more vulnerable. But when you turn them over and have it on the back, everyone's usually absolutely fine. Um, but it's just sort of going through that process. If you're going through IVF, obviously, you know, you have to use needles too. So it's yeah. this big fear around needles. The needles are so different. And I think it's like how you feel with your practitioner too, feeling safe or let them make yeah. you feel. If people are really scared of needles, I give them a very light treatment to start. So I put not so many needles and I just, you know, talk them through it if they want. Or I just chat to them and as we're chatting, I stick them in and they just don't even really know they're going in. Yeah, I can't really feel them at all. There's a few mm. in my toes sometimes, like my big toe, yeah. and it just like twangs up my toe. I'm like, fuck, yeah. that one hurt. That was a good one. But I don't feel them at all really. I can never feel them except for one spot in my one of the sides of my bum cheeks and I love it because I know that it's it, – I must need it. It's doing something there. <laughs> but I just want it – <laughs> yeah, oh, but I just find it so interesting because every time I come in, yeah, you do feel our pulse. You can you can tell when. Oh, um, I've been someone, doing that lately. Like, you have that way of telling if someone's pregnant. Like I remember when I was doing IVF, you were like, I hadn't had my blood test results yet, and you were like, Yeah, yeah, you are. Same. And then you also have a way of being like, Oh, if it's on that particular side, it means it's a boy or a girl, and you guys guessed the gender. Stop and, it! Really? Yeah, you, you can do that, can't you, Jess? Well, they say you can. You can have a few little hints that you might feel. But look, I've been wrong before. Yeah, I get. I get it right a fair bit. You play a game with yourself, obviously. But I can't Would say that I could it? just advertise that I can gender pick your baby because I've definitely <laughs> been wrong. And I've You're always thought kid. maybe energetically that baby has more like femininity, even though they're a male. You know, you mm. never know. Like maybe there's a sense there too. Um, getting yeah. woo woo now, but like, yeah, definitely. I do get very strong senses sometimes for some patients, especially ones I know very well. Um, but I have been wrong, obviously. It's not like you were just like, oh, I think this, I think that. I I would probe you and be like, so what do you think? Oh, that? Like, yes, I'd, like, I'd like make totally. you guess for me and you'd like really feel into the, the pulse and the side and wh which one's more pulsier than the other and I just love that. I do too. feel bad for Bonnie sometimes because obviously I've done a few rounds of IVF and every time I go I'm like, so what are you thinking? Can you feel a bleed coming on? What are my oh. pulses? And she'd be, and I'd feel bad because obviously it's it's a hard thing. You don't want to be like, no, a hundred. you don't want to give someone false hope and then be like well Bonnie said this and then it didn't work but it so much pressure so much pressure thing. but yeah I it's so bloody fascinating I love it I 
there's so many things that I want to do now since going through what I've been going through. I'm like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a midwife. I want to be an acupuncturist. I want to learn Chinese medicine. You'd be great at all those things, (laughs) all of those occupations. Yeah. So Jess, when did you figure out that you kind of wanted to specialize more in fertility focused acupuncture and what are other specialties that you could have gone down? Well, I guess when I first started studying, um, I always was into the women's health topics that were coming up and I was quite into the Chinese um, dietary therapy as well. So that was kind of apparent to me at the beginning. Um, and then it just kind of just grew. When you first graduate, I always recommend to acupuncturists try a bit of everything because you don't really know, yeah. you know, you'll have interests and maybe things you like, but it's good to try things. So I did start out doing everything. And I did treat a lot of, when I was in England, a lot of backs and knees and, you know, shoulders. And, you know, it sort of just developed because I would attract women with hormonal issues. Um, and then fertility became a thing because obviously I don't just work with women trying to have a baby. It's just to help women reach their fertile potential, which is their overall wellness. Because um, that's what yeah. our bodies are designed to do, whether we want it or not. So, yeah, it just became more um, fascinating for me to get in that area. And I have a personality type where I quite like to know what I'm doing well. So for me to have like all these options and things I could treat was more stressful for me as a practitioner in the sense like I just like to have a niche area. And, you know, maybe that will change. Like I do have a really big interest in fibroids and thyroid stuff so you know you can go as deep as you want into a specialty area but definitely a lot of acupuncturists will specialize in musculoskeletal chronic illness pain management is another one um so there's a lot of areas we can go into some people get really into things like hay fever or immune response interesting paul suffers from the worst hay fever yeah so there's a big study done by one of um my amazing lecturers at uni, John McDonald, he's been in research for a very long time as a PhD and he did one on rhinitis and it actually came back that acupuncture significantly increased, um, you know, the healing of that or, you know, worked. So we can actually say that it does help with that because we're not allowed to say it helps with really any conditions unless it's been scientifically proven. Um, which is really hard to do any kind of studies. You know, everyone's different. Acupuncture and Chinese medicine treat every individual as an individual. So mm. to try and create like a large study where everyone's the same and you do the same points in the same environment and try and trick people that they're having it, but, you know, they're not, is just almost impossible to yeah. get a really good result. So, you know, a lot of stuff with Chinese medicine is going to be based around individual cases um as well and like clinic data um so yeah it's definitely a lot of areas you can go into but I do really enjoy fertility and I love working with women I prefer to work with women I still do work with men but probably only like five percent of my patients and um it is harder to get men to come in for fertility it's ideal if they can often I'll actually send them to acupuncturists or naturopaths who deal with a lot more males because it's nice for the women not to have the same treatment space as their partners as well. It's kind of nice to, 
you know, have separate. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting yeah. because I remember when I maybe last year I was getting, I, like I, like I said, I've been getting a lot of acupuncture and Bonnie was like, you should really get Paul to come in. It took me so long to convince him to come in. Yeah. But he, he finally was seeing Bonnie for a little bit while he was in Australia and he would come home. He's like, I'm on cloud nine. He just like, I feel like it's it's so good for like a men- at a mental level as well. It's not just like mm. fertility. I like I'm I love I feel like it makes me so much less stressed. If I'm feeling stressed or anxious yeah. or I go into acupuncture and I honestly I walk out and I just feel like a different person. I just feel I'm so happy, I'm so light. I'm just it, it's such an uplifting thing and yeah, I I love it. I love it so much. It's so, so good. Yeah. And Bonnie's really good at holding space yeah. for people with for emotional yeah. and mental support. That's really her um, specialty. Like she's very, very good at that. Oh, so. I know. I just want to like put her in a I just want to put her in a little <laughs> bottle and take her with me everywhere. A little bit of Bonnie. A little bit of Bonnie. She needs to come everywhere with me. Um, she's just, and I feel like as well, seeing you girls, it, it's such a personal experience. When I've had acupuncture at other places, it's very like, I don't oh, know, would yeah. you say like clinical where they just literally put you on the bed, chuck a few needles in and then piss off for half an hour. Whereas when I, when you come to Nua, which is where you girls um, work out of, it's like you put the needles in, you massage, you like, you're basically oh. almost in the room the whole time and I love I almost just I go for the massage I go for the chat so cool. I'm there for the massage only oh it's so good um, we still make you get your acupuncture that's for sure yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm still jamming needles in um okay well. so with acupuncture sort of aside I want to start speaking a little bit about women's fertility and a, a big thing that I I mean, I can put my hand up and say I knew zero about is our menstrual cycle. And we don't get taught this at school. You literally think that you get your period, that's about it, and you kind of go on. And, I mean, until later in your life, you don't even really learn about ovulation. But there's so much. I know, like, Jess, you could probably speak about this for hours. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But if you can give us a, a brief rundown of the women's menstrual cycle, what is a norm? What does a normal cycle look like? What are the parameters, and what day of this? Like, where where does day one start? How how women can track it? Yeah, so um, yeah, there's a lot of um, talk around menstrual cycles. I do get a lot of women coming in worried their cycles are irregular. You know, it might be a few days changing each time, um, or that they think their cycle's too short or too long. There is actually quite a bit of variation in women's cycles. Not everyone has a 28-day cycle. I think in the course I'd mentioned there's like 15% of women actually have a 28-day cycle. Um, so there's a large percentage where women will have, you know, an other length. And really a healthy cycle can be between, you know, 25 days to 35 days if it's regular. Um, as long as you're regularly ovulating and your body works that way, that can still be a healthy cycle for someone. Um, so yeah, there's a lot around that and it's really good to educate yourself or to get guidance with someone so that there's not this, um, kind of anxiety around all these little bits of a menstrual cycle and focusing on that. Cause really we're just focusing on hormonal health and balance in general, and everyone's going to be slightly different. And the 28 day cycle, you know, the lunar calendar. So, you know, it's orientated around the moon. You hear a lot of people incorporating that into menstrual cycle awareness now which is a growing area. Um, so, yeah, we do have 
our menstrual cycle, obviously. And in Chinese medicine, I'll always try and, well, I'll try and integrate the Western and the Eastern together because it can make things a little bit more simple. Um, but basically we have a first part of our cycle and a second part, and then it's broken up into four phases. So the first part, a lot of women maybe going through fertility or aware of this now is like follicular phase. In Chinese medicine, this is the more yin phase. So it's really focusing on building yin and blood because this is where we've got the um, maturation of our eggs and follicles and rebuilding the lining of the uterus, which was shed when we were bleeding. So that's the first part. Um, and then the second part is, you know, ovulation to um, our next bleed again, which is known as the luteal phase, which is dominated by progesterone. So the first phase being dominated by estrogen. Second phase is dominated by um, progesterone. So a lot of women, if they've been going through fertility stuff or listening, they may have heard things like luteal phase defect or low progesterone. And, and this is where they're kind of looking at that for getting pregnant. If you do conceive, if your progesterone or in Chinese medicine, the yang is not um, strong, then we have a risk of early miscarriage. And that's just because the body is going to struggle to hold the pregnancy. So breaking that down again, we've got menstruation, which is when our body is shedding the lining of the uterus. And this is due to our hormones dropping because there was no pregnancy or conception. And then we have the follicular phase. So the maturation of the follicles um, and the lining building. So we get a rise in estrogen and a rise in LH hormone. So if someone's using um, ovulation predictor kits, those ones are going to detect the rise in the LH hormone. When we reach the next phase, it's ovulation, which is where everyone trying to get pregnant is going to be focusing on and watching out for. Um, this is like your prime time, your fertile window. Um, and then this is the most yang part of the cycle. So we get a real big surge of hormones and we're building the yang and then an egg is released from the follicle. The follicle then breaks down and it becomes its own endocrine body and starts producing progesterone. So when we have a good ovulation um, or efficient ovulation, then if we're conceived, that progesterone will keep up and it will stay up and you'll be pregnant. Um, and if not, the progesterone stays up for a period of time, which is your luteal phase length, and then it will start to drop and then you'll bleed again. So you've got, yeah, menstruation, follicular phase, ovulation and luteal phase or implantation phase it can be. Um, so wow. that's kind of your, yeah, that's kind of your map of your cycle. And these phases will um, be different for every woman. Some women might ovulate day 12, some day 19. The biggest thing I see in clinic is women who maybe have an attempted ovulation and then it doesn't happen and then they have a later ovulation or that they thought from an app or um, yes. just from what they'd heard that they ovulate day 14 because they've got, you know, 30-day cycle. But that isn't necessarily the case. Some women will actually ovulate, you know, day 18, 19 and for a 30-day cycle that's still perfectly fine. So they'll stop having sex after, you know, day 16 and they've missed their window. So this is where yeah. cycle tracking can be so advantageous with Chinese medicine because we've got some practical homework for women to do and to tap into their own body. And then we can use Chinese medicine to, you know, try and balance any imbalances we find within the tracking or, you know, through blood tests and other, you know, things that we can use. Um, so that's like your little overview. Day one of your period, which I do remember you said. 
So I definitely correct this often in clinic. Um, spotting is not your first day of your period, okay? Mm. So if you're having like three or four days of spotting, this is when your progesterone is going down or maybe you have lowered progesterone or, you know, there's something that we can maybe look at there. Um, the day one of your period is the day when you have fresh blood and they've sort of made it universal that it's got to be before 12 o'clock in the day. Like if it's an afternoon arrival or a nighttime arrival, you'd count the next day as day one. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that too. No, that was a massive one and I think for heaps of people um, finding out the exact time that you ovulate because those those things you pee on often aren't right and then sometimes the temperature thing's really hard to get because you're measuring your temperature at slightly different times. And it was you, I remember, who I was like, no, I ovulate on this day. And you're like, no, mate, you probably don't. You're probably getting it wrong every month. And that was um, super helpful for me. (laughs) But what I want to talk about because I know there's different – types of foods that are beneficial to have during all those phases of the cycle that you just mentioned before that fuel your body for different stages of that. So can you talk about those different foods and how they can help? Yeah. So rule of thumb in Chinese medicine, we never usually um, support having lots of raw cold foods just in general for women's fertility, as you girls have probably heard us say, broth, soup, stews. So as a rule of thumb for everyone listening and, you know, who want that information, we always usually say like 80% cooked, 20% raw. Well, that's Mm. how I usually pass it on because we still want to have some fruit and some, you know, salad-y elements in our foods. But I always say good examples, like if you have like a Japanese meal, they often have like a little bit of salad with like the horseradishy dressing and then they have like a miso soup and some rice and some veg and some protein and pickled stuff and a bit of hot stuff. So they have every flavor. So the more that you can incorporate every flavor, like sour, astringent, you know, um, a little bit of spicy, sweet, salty into your meals, you're getting like a really good balance. Um, and this is why if you look at a lot of Asian foods, they kind of have all the herbs they put in, ginger, um, you know, Yum. cinnamon, star anise, turmeric. Yeah. So I do encourage everyone to sort of cook with that using lots of colors, lots of variety and the 80% 20 rule. So if you do that throughout your whole cycle, you pretty much, it's going to be good, right? Um, but we can vary, like just slightly change in each phase too. So menstruation, you're losing blood. You need to make sure you're having good iron building foods and good um, slow release carbohydrates so that you're feeding yourself because your body is shedding the lining and then it's going to want to rebuild, right? So we do need to nourish it. Um, if Chinese medicine is not at all vegetarian or vegan, I will just put that out there. Um, so we do encourage a lot of bone broths, um, organ meat, which, you know, most people can't have and you can get in capsules. Um, these sort of products are going to be really good because they're giving you good fats um, and really dense nutrients and they're building iron, right? Green leafy vegetables, lentils, beans are also great. So if you are vegetarian, you just got to make sure that you're getting good protein. I do encourage eating eggs as well and organic. Always try and get organic, not chemical or hormone fed. And um, a little bit of like anti-inflammatory also will avoid stimulants. So like your coffee and alcohol is when you're why, shedding your, why, li- yeah. why when you're you shedding your lining, you're kind of having a bit of a detox. Like you just want to support that process. Um, you also just like adding turmeric um, is a nice one because it's anti-inflammatory. So if you're getting pains and 
um, discomfort, definitely adding turmeric in can be a nice way of doing that. Ginger, garlic, all these nice sort of warming, stimulating, chi moving, or we say energy moving foods. Um, and I another little thing not related to diet, but I do advise if you're bleeding to try and not wear a tampon because we want to encourage a downward motion um, of energy and mm-hmm. blood and not like putting something that's going to stop it. So even if that seems impossible because of your lifestyle, try at least day one and then try day two just to wear a pad or period undies, always making sure organic. Um, that's another good one. And just really make cups. Sorry to cut no, in. No, no, no. Like, look, cups, you know, it's halfway point. It's good to actually see what your blood is like. Yeah. Sometimes I am wary with them because when women pull them out, it can create like a little suction action. Yeah, it does. And it's still putting something up. And if you're having any clots or um, you can still see your blood quality, you know, on um, period undies or on pads. But I definitely, I just prefer women, especially if they're getting clots or very like thick, dark blood, just let it come out, like let it shed try and get it out. If you've got endometriosis or anything like that where there's retrograde blood going, you know, back up in, just try and let everything get out. Your uterus is doing its best. It's contracting to try and get it out. Um, you know, plan A is basically the uterus just contracts and the lining sheds easily. Plan B, when it's not working, it really starts to get in there and it, this is where it causes pain. So anything we can do, heat packs, um, yeah, nice anti-inflammatory herbs um, and that stuff you can find in your you know, grocery shop or, you know, the market. So, yeah, turmeric being a big one. Um, parsley is good. Mint is good. Rosemary is great for circulation. So we've got a lot of tools we can use at home as well. You know, we don't always have to have other things. But, yeah, definitely we want to encourage flow because that's yeah. what's happening. I've always been like a – like I feel like a, a, growing up it's always been tampon, 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 but it's only yeah, probably the last like – only the last few months, the more I've like become so interested in the female body and what we're doing and the different types of our cycle. Like I feel like I remember seeing girls that would wear a pad um, and I'm thinking that is the grossest thing ever. Like have some Same. like, have some like, like hygiene. hygiene. Like, that's, <laughs> seriously, I think that I'm like, that is absolutely crook. And then the more I, I learn about this and the more I learn about different time, like the, what to look for in your blood and clots and all that sort of thing. I, at night time, sometimes, like you said, through the day, it is convenient. I, I sometimes wear the cups, but sometimes I find it really hard to get them in. Like I really struggle. Um, and then they leak and then you end up finding you're having to wear a liner with it anyway. So I'm, I'm like, that's just pointless. But at nighttime, I generally will try my best to wear pads at night just so I can like look at the blood and look at what the different colors and if there's clots coming out and really trying to analyze my cycle as best as I possibly can. And I actually really like it. I'm so interested in it. So it's like, it's really intriguing to see what what's happening each month and and see the difference between one month to another and you can really notice a difference and changes. Yeah. And it's good to look at your cycle because you can diagnose a lot from the menstrual bleed, you know, like what the colour of it, the blood is like, is there clots, is there mucus, is there fibrousy tissue, is there, you know, like how long is it going for, how much blood. So cups, like I'm not anti-cups, but um, yeah, I just find that a lot of women like yourself have issues putting it in, maybe get like a bit of irritation. 
Um, and also, I guess they came out as well thinking of the environment because, you know, we have to think totally. of that as well. And we wanted to I speak about cervical mucus and normalizing it because it's, again, it's a thing that people, you like, oh, yuck. But it's just like your, your period blood. You can learn so much from it. And I'm becoming, again, more and more interested in the different yeah. times of the month and the different cervical mucus that's coming out. And it's not, a, it, it shouldn't be seen as a gross thing. It's so normal. And yeah, it, do you want to talk about yeah. it? Uh, the best way I explain it is kind of, you know, we do have a fertile window. There is a type of mucus that comes out during that time, cervical fluid, um, that can only come because we actually have a mucus plug blocking the cervix. Um, so that's when you're not fertile. Like you can't, there's no sperm's going to get in, like there's going to be no fertilization, there's no egg released. Um, this plug dissolves when we bleed because obviously the blood has to come out. It reforms and then we have an infertile phase, you know, through our follicular phase when the follicles are developing and the lining's building. And then as the hormones change, we have a um, dissolving of that plug again. When that plug dissolves, um, we have the cervical fluid is able to come out and this fluid is the most you know one that we really want to look at and that's more lubricating so for a lot of women it can be different you hear it being said that it's the egg white but not every woman it's egg white some mm. it can just be more can be a little bit more runny or it can still be a little bit creamy but there's usually more of it and if you're not getting any changes in mucus um you know there are some drugs that get you know that actually prevent mucus or you know um like clomiphene or clomid, sorry, um, is one. Like if you're on clomid, you might notice your discharge is getting less and less because that's actually a side effect. Um, and, yeah, but it's basically looking for this change of an infertile pattern being, you know, you might just have a little bit of creamy mucus, not much. Um, when you wipe, when you go to the toilet, this is a good description, it doesn't really glide. When you are fertile or even if you've been aroused or whatever, you have like a more lubricating fluid. So if you wipe, it sort of glides through. Um, and a lot of women, when I talk in clinic about it, they can relate to that. Or if I say that, they'll they'll get it when they do actually try and look for it. Yeah, um, You can notice on undies too, but some women get that the whole way through their cycle. Some women in their infertile phases don't really have any mucus at all. And it's like quite dry, like noticeably dry. Um, and then other women have a mixture of dryness and like a little bit of you know, mucus, because that mucus does get secreted from the vagina as well. But when we have the fertile phase, so that plug is dissolved, the mucus from the cervix can come out. It actually helps to suck the sperm back up. Um, So it's under a microscope, you can see it's a different kind of mucus um, and it's produced in a different area of the body. So it actually helps facilitate the sperm to swim up and it does have a sucking action. So there has been women who've gotten pregnant from non-penetration. So where they've been ovulating and maybe they've had a pullout method where their partner has ejaculated on them and it's gotten to the external genitalia and the cervical fluid has actually sucked the sperm up. Wow. Wow. How crazy Mm. are our bodies? What the hell? So this Um, is your key, you know, to getting pregnant is really looking at mucus. And you can take temperatures, but the problem with the temperatures is once it's gone up and set up, you kind of miss you. It's a bit late. Totally. So if you're going to use temperatures, like I say to patients, use them alongside mucus tracking. And if you want to do cervical checking as well, you can put your finger up and actually check your cervix. Um, Mm. You can. I was. I did that one. That one worked for me. 
Yep. And yeah, that's you would like, feel where the um the cervix was if it was low and soft and stuff. Yeah. I found that so interesting. Yeah. That helped. Yeah. And it's just what people are comfortable with doing, what women want to try, you mm. know. So when trying to conceive, there's different pressure points for acupuncture that I'd love to hear about and also how these spots can help thicken endometrium lining and making it like and especially for IVF like making your lining thick and sticky for implantation can you um yeah talk about that I mean there's quite a lot of um, points sort of locally on the belly there's also like you have said before sometimes you feel the ones on your feet unfortunately there's some wonderful beautiful poetically named acupuncture points for fertility on the feet and the hands that are not in nice places um and you know and this is something we use distal and local points it's probably easier to put I don't even know if you guys can put a pdf up with acupuncture points but it's probably easier yeah. to have visual descriptions or and, and diagrams because yeah there's a few on the, the belly um for home trying to get your lining thickened or let blood flow into the uterus I really do love um, sometimes sending women home with moxa or, you know, using heat packs, castor oil packs, self-abdominal massage. They're really good because without the needles, it's going to be harder for some of those points to have pressure, whereas it's actually nicer to massage that whole area of your abdomen because you just do need this good calming um, and all the way up in the diaphragm, it can really detoxify the area. Um, so there's a lot of things there and herbs and using your diet because your body needs the nourishment. So yes, acupuncture, the needles will help increase blood flow to an area or they can reduce things, um, unblock blockages. However, there's so many tools I would give women before acupressure at home, like get yeah, herbs, diet, lifestyle, self-massage, castor oil packs, womb steaming is another one or yoni steaming is a big thing at the moment. I do prescribe to some women. Um, I think you did one, didn't you, Elodie? Yeah, I did a few. You gave yeah, me a few. few. They were epic. So they're great. Yeah. When I was talking to things about like when you men- you don't do it when you're menstruating. You can do it before or after and then you would never do it after ovulation if you're trying to conceive. Um, but you yeah. can use herbs in there to help promote circulation, to help detoxification, anti-inflammatory. Yeah, so I can definitely um, somehow – make a little pdf for people to download if they would like if that's something you guys can do on your site um that just has some points if they want to um yeah but yeah i i say self-massage is a really great one and the heat pack um and even just self-massage as simple to describe is just using a really nice oil whether it's coconut oil if you have essential oils you like like um geranium rose jasmine like all those nice feminine ones um, or if yeah. you've got pain, you can use some for pain, clary sage, that kind of thing. You know, just do clockwise motions all the way down to your pubic bone, which literally is like quite low. You'll feel it. This is where your uterus is. Yeah. And then all the way up to your ribs into your diaphragm. Just do clockwise motions and you'll intuitively kind of, you know, mm. go there and massage and then just don't, if an area really hurts, don't just hone on in there and like really get in because it could yeah. be too much. Um, but yeah. And we, we probably should disclaim that there's going to be certain methods or herbs and oils that are for certain phases of exactly. um, fertility or whether you're pregnant. Like, definitely exactly. don't just go rogue and try to do a womb steam or use pregnancy, any oils at there's any no time. Womb you steaming. Need. No womb yeah. steaming in pregnancy. And, you know, abdominal massage, women are going to massage anyways. You probably yeah. know you want to not get stretch marks. So you can massage your belly. 
it's fine. Your intentions aren't to do any harm. You just be gentle with yourself. Uh, But this is why um, if you've got some full-on conditions or you've been diagnosed with things, getting some advice from a health practitioner is good to start and then you can start doing the practices at home. Um, And this is something I find in clinic. I'm trying to make something online so that I can just educate women in those practices um, because they're very helpful at home rather than always having to see a practitioner or see a practitioner to start. And then, you know, when you're feeling more balanced, you just carry on with those practices at home. Oh, it's, there's just so, it's such a, I just love talking about these topics. I could seriously talk about it all day. And I I really hope our listeners get a lot, have got a lot out of this. I mean, I still, even though I just learned about most of this two weeks ago, I feel like I'm still learning every time you speak to us. I'm like, wow. Um, but I feel like before we wrap this up, I wanted to, and this was actually a question that one of our listeners wrote in for you and If you can't if you can't think of it off the top of your head as well right now, then we don't need to worry about it. But do you have any like one particular like what is the most powerful testimony or healing miracle that you've treated or witnessed when it comes to some a, a, a person that you've treated um, through acupuncture and Chinese medicine? Do you know anything off the top of your head? Look, I've got lots, and I'm not going to say this is a is my doing a hundred percent. There is one person that comes to mind and I almost feel like I might've told you about her, Elodie. I had a lady who's a beautiful, beautiful woman was single, um, you know, went through IVF. She wanted to have a baby in her early forties. She literally went through everything. Like I'm talking any kind of thing. So multiple specialists, I can't even remember how many rounds she did. It was like really up there. Yeah, I think you told me, wasn't it like 17 rounds or something? Something, yeah. I cannot remember if somewhere, but just I loved her a lot. Um, I actually treated her for nothing for a while because the expenses for IVF were just oh. intense and she wanted a baby and she just kept trying. She just had so much hope, tried um, her own eggs, wasn't really working. Tried, obviously, she used donor sperm the whole time, changed donors of sperm, you know, because even choosing sperm donors, I always say, check if they've had kids in the last like five years because you're going to know if they can make a baby Mm. more than just like young and you know fit and healthy relatively because you don't really know um and she went through everything then she did donor egg then she did um donor embryos multiple times like just everything and then I still remember getting a message and she listens to this she'll know exactly who she is I still remember I think it was new year's day or something I got a message from her after all these years, I think it was like four or five years, and got a message from her with a a double line on a pregnancy test. And, you know, I was just beside myself. I think I was telling patients, you know what, my patient's gotten pregnant, everyone this year, it's a good year because, you know, she's gotten pregnant, starting, setting the bar. Um, Wow. And then the next part of the story that's really exciting is – when she had her scan, she had twins and she's had Aww. twin boys. Wow. And they must, I haven't even met them. I say I'm a disgrace because I adore her and I've been trying to catch up uh-huh. with her at times. She lives up a bit more north now on the Gold Coast, but she's two beautiful, healthy boys. And I just couldn't have been happier for her because after all that, like, I think we used to joke wow. that she'd just have twins or triplets and it was just never, you know, she'd only been pregnant once and lost it and then nothing wow. else really. Um, Wow. Yeah. And now she has two little beautiful little boys and that's probably my 
still like one of the stories and I've got so many but that was yeah. just one you know because she's doing it on her own too like yeah. not just going through IVF but like on your own for so long having so much faith just like keep persevering yeah. and that's why I say Ooh, to women if you really want a baby you'll get there it just doesn't doesn't always look the way you think she didn't end up with her own egg like it was different embryo donations um wow and you know if you really want a baby you will go through whatever avenue you need to to get there and I can almost guarantee that if you have that perseverance and it's in your heart to do so you'll end up with a baby maybe mm. it would be through maybe yeah, donor embryo yeah maybe yeah, exactly mm-hmm. maybe two or maybe it'd be adoption who knows but if you've really got that drive like yeah it'll be there and that's yeah. like the drive you wow. want for a mother too like you want to you know look after your cubs you want to be there you're like mm-hmm. yeah this is it so that's probably the one I think of I've got many even your like your story Elodie is amazing I've got so many stories <laughs> that but, chick's amazing though because I'm always hanging out with Minnie and, and or if she's you know having a moment I'm like oh my god imagine if there was two of her like how would I do it because there's only one of me you know like yeah I just does that does that beautiful woman have some good support around her? Yeah, yeah, so. great support and you know, she's so happy. But, you know, she had an apartment close to here and she was like, oh, I'm going to have to sell my apartment. And I was thinking, why? What are you talking about? And she's like, how will I get twins up the stairs? True. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, you can't leave one in the car, in the garage and like run up and go back down. Literally. So, yeah, I was like, I didn't even think of that. So that's why she moved. She ended up selling the apartment and going um, – north and a little bit more and yeah and I'd love to see her soon because you know I do see her Instagram posts and she was very active on IVF pages she would happily like if I had other people going through really rough times she'd always happily offer to get a coffee with them and chat because she'd literally been down every possible avenue like she just knew she knew doctors and nurses by names people like she was in community groups she was like if you know she was always out there trying to help people um it's a crazy crazy club it's a crazy so, club. Yeah. I'm so yeah. glad she finally found you and, like, I, I reckon you got her there, obviously. Well, you know, I was support in one way, but, you know, she just – it's because she had the determination. Like, mm. she just knew. And every time she was like, this is the last round, I was like, mm, okay. And then <laughs> it was like another one, one more, one more. <laughs> so, yeah, she was – she's a beautiful inspiration, I think, to women. And she's so happy now. And her boys are just beautiful, healthy boys. So, yeah, like – even you know you Chloe and everyone like just if it really is what you want just like persevere you'll get there and then you'll have the story of seeing other people being like I remember that was me it'll be okay people look at you like whatever I don't want to hear that but yeah I know know it will happen Mm, it's good thanks for having me thank you so much we could have talked about I know I feel I we could go forever. We could do like a part two, <laughs> just for yeah, the last we'll, part of the session. Definitely, we'll definitely do a part two, and we'll get Bonnie on too. Yeah. Both of you, it's yeah, so was, good. I feel like we should get Bonnie on for sure. So, Jess, to wrap, do you have any recommended readings? And can you also please tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. So, recommended readings. Um, there's a lot. I really love um, the Chinese medicine based one by. Um, Hong uh, Hang Oh, I think her name is. I can't pronounce. I feel terrible if that's wrong, but I can somehow write it up. But awakening. We'll chuck it on the show notes. Yeah, sorry, awakening. Awakening, awakening your fertility is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really also recommend a lot of patients to uh, read or listen to any of Dr. Libby's stuff. She's got one called Rushing Woman Syndrome, and it talks about the busy woman in a modern day life and how that actually affects your hormones. 
Um, Yeah, Beyond the Pill is a good one as well, which is um, more about like when you've been on the pill for a long time, trying to come off of that. Um, The book is really informative and great. There's a heap I can recommend. Um, You You actually have a whole list from the workshop, so maybe I can actually share. I'll take a photo of the PDF and I will share it on our Facebook community. So if anyone that's listening that really wants to um, have a look at at these readings further, I'll share it on there and I'll pin it to the top of the group so you guys can access it um, and do, do, do extra research. Perfect. And do you know what we should do? We should get our Facebook community together and kind of gauge some interest and potentially even host another workshop with you, Jess. Yeah, I would love to. And, you know, I am <laughs> for many years I've been trying to do things where I could do online consults or online courses yes. and it's still a very long process. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like being online very much. But, um, well, yeah. Jess said before <laughs> yeah, this is her first time using Zoom and I was like, <laughs> well, not <laughs> Zoom, but what is it, Zencast? I was like, oh. Uh, okay, I guess it's not exactly <laughs> no, Zoom. I, yeah, but, I you know, like, well, I've used Zoom a few times and I always struggle every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, every don't time. worry, I struggle too. I like in person. I don't want to talk to people online or over the phone. I want to see them face-to-face. I want to hug them. Yeah. I want to talk. Yeah, technology challenge. Probably. That's what I am. <laughs> Probably <laughs> so always will be. <laughs> oh you're the best thank you so much and yeah it'd be sick to do a workshop with you and like a bunch of our listeners they would freaking love it I reckon thanks Jess thanks girls love you I can't wait to come back up and see you and get touched (laughs) yes come we miss you (laughs) welcome to our asking for a segment Yes, asking for a friend. (laughs) You ask, we tell, right here, right now. So if you have a question, you can head to the link in our bio on Instagram or we'll put it in our show notes. Send us the questions and we will answer them for your ear holes. Elodie, this one is for you. Help, I'm pregnant and a single mum. How on earth do you do it, Elle? Is motherhood harder than you imagined? Fuck. Close your ears, Minnie. <laughs> Fucking hard, bro. Oh, no, she's an angel. Look, um, good question. I um, what I've realised since being a mum is, I thought that mums, like I've always looked at mums, but oh, they're super mum. They fully know what's going on. They've got it down pat. And what I've realised is, no, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. I mean, look, Minnie's three. No, she's four months old, and. Well, I don't, I don't still don't really know what I'm doing. I just got to keep her alive. I just honestly, I feel like, but you know me, I'm not too much of a stressy person and I just, she's coming on. The best thing for me is that we have been like down to Sydney and everywhere because of what's, what else has happened in my life with like dad and everything. And hello, Minnie. And she's just like, I know I say this all the time, but we're not at home, like doing the normal things that lots of mums do like I'm not on Minnie's program sorting out when she's feeding when she's sleeping and da, 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 da. she's just coming on my program and so she's napping when I want when when I'm out and about whenever she wants we don't have a set routine and set places um she sleeps really well she feeds really well I'm really lucky with that um but what I would just say as a like I mean I know nothing I don't want to I feel really weird that that someone's asked like you know, giving advice because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I think just, I mean, the early days, I guess, would be just going with the flow. Like I think I think I'll get into a routine in a few months where I'm more like regimented with her. But at the moment, I reckon she's learning so much about just adaptability 
by just coming on our cruisy life wherever it's just taking us. And um, what do you want to say, Minnie? She wants to say, fuck this podcast off. Let's go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for you. So I think lots of people want to know, but someone wrote this in. Um, How do you foresee your life with a bub when it happens for you and fish, Chloe? Like, is this baby just going to come on tour? What's the go? Oh, it's for sure going to have to be a tour baby, 100%. I I was actually just saying to Paul the other day, I was thinking, when I'm pregnant, am I going to be able to go to like nightclubs and stuff like that or festivals or am I going to have to stay at home? And he's like, you're 100% coming. I've seen people pregnant at shows for sure. I actually have seen pregnant people at shows, but I said, what is it like? Is it going to be like bad for the baby's brain if I'm standing next to like a speaker the size of my body? just thumping it's gonna like come out of the womb going I fucking hate this or I love dad's music imagine if it just like it's it's gonna have no choice we actually we speak about this a lot but it's gonna have to just go on the road I just it's just gonna Mm. have like there's no way I'm staying at home and not experiencing the world like we usually do it like you said you with um your your question you just have to the baby has to come with us Mm. Yeah, and that's just the way that it is. Just and give it little ear, ear muzzle yeah, things. Yeah, it will definitely have it little, It'll definitely have ear, ear things, and then yeah, I don't know what will what we'll do. <laughs> I don't know. It'll it'll come. It definitely is obviously not coming to nightclubs and not coming to festivals. But wh- when I'm pregnant, I'll for sure try and go to some stuff that I can. But yeah, yeah. I um next time when Paul plays at Coachella, hopefully next we'll have a baby and the baby can come to Coachella for sure. I've seen kids at Coachella. (laughs) What about um, like I'm sure there's some sort of soundproof belly wrap or something. Yeah, I thought thought that I wondered if we could do something like that, like a wrap around the belly that like. That's a good idea. um, What is it? Like defer, deters, um, sound. But I feel like we're the same, like we're just going to, because our lives are pretty crazy, we're just going to get on with it, like with our bubs. Like Minnie's on tour, she loves it, but your tour is going to be way more hectic because you're like going to be on planes going overseas and everything. So um, that'll be fun. Your kid's just <laughs> going to be such a little legend. It would help. It, want, it, w- it would want to be. <laughs> anyway, that's it for today. 